Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Back at it once again. Welcome to Run the Point. If you don't know by now, I'm Rob the Hispanic from the Atlantic, from the other side of the United States of America. We have Aaron. Good evening, sir. What's up, Rob? How are you, my friend? I'm doing very well on this Tuesday night. Without further ado, uh, let's get into the current episode, which is dubbed Twitter Fingers. Perhaps, Aaron, you'd like to tell the world why we're calling tonight's show Twitter Fingers. What, what, are, what are we going to get into starting off? <laughs> we're going to talk about Dez, Brian, and KD and their weekly Twitter tirades. <laughs> Twitter tirades. I love the alliteration. So KD went on a uh, podcast of a fellow... NBA player, C.J. McCollum, out there in Rip City from your, your part of the country, the West Coast. And uh, no, th- there was uh, a little bit of banter, a little bit of back and forth. C.J. McCollum was getting into um, the fact that he believes the Trailblazers have a good squad and they're going to make a run at the NBA title this upcoming season. And what did Katie have to say about that, man? KD told him they still ain't winning the championship. (laughs) Shut it down. Shut that down, boy. You're not even coming close. But it went far, far beyond just that, did it not? It did. So apparently uh, after that whole ordeal, after KD went on the podcast, CJ McCullough uh, responded to a fan who called KD, uh, you know, not so favorable word and um you know basically said hey that's a strong comparison but i do think what he did is comparable to to, uh getting beat up by a gang and then going and joining that gang um and then kd responded in typical kd fashion uh that you know it's um you know oh you you know snakes in the grass 
I just went on your podcast, blah, 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 blah. Whole thing ensues. Um, and Katie also got into it with some 13-year-old kid, but that's another story. Um, oh, well, I, so I, I will I, uh... admit that... I was just gonna say I don't, I don't know this this news of the uh, of the other KD Twitter Twitter rant the other other KD Twitter tirade. So so what what is what is the you know allow me to interject there, sir? What is what is the story behind that? So some kid I guess has been um, tagging KD and just you know ripping him, and finally KD just let him have it of like go do your homework. You know, stop tagging me and this stuff. Blah 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 blah. And it's like, dude, why are you get? Why are you letting? You are a back-to-back, two-time NBA champion, Finals MVP, all these great things, and you're letting some 13-year-old kid get you riled up on social media. Like, come on, man. Like, Jesus Christ. Like, grow up. Get out of it. Like, you know, time to move on, my dear friend. Wow, I mean, it's it's interesting. Uh, so, so go go ahead and go ahead and finish finish your thought. Did you have anything else to say about this whole uh, KD CJ McCollum uh, incident? So, I mean, after the fact, as you mentioned, um, KD went all snakes in the grass. CJ McCollum. Um, so, so more more thoughts on that from you, Aaron. And also, uh, do do you think you think this is this is something that uh, should be addressed? Be between the players, or, or, or I mean, this day and age in social media, you're like, eh, you know, if you're gonna go on Twitter, if you're gonna go on some other social media platform, hey, it's it's just it's just as good as hitting somebody up one on one because that's just how the world works nowadays. So I'm a big fan of what I call keeping that same energy, and uh, you know, basically what that is is you know. If you're going to say something to someone, just say it to their face. You know, don't say that, you know, basically, you know, be in their presence and, you know, act like everything's all fine and dandy and then talk crap behind them, behind their back. So at least on the podcast, I will say this, that CJ McCollum did tell Katie that he thinks both his move and Boogie's move are weak moves um, and, you know, told him that to his face. So for that, I applaud him because, hey, he did, you know, do it in fact of what I say keeping that same energy. So when he went on that Twitter, uh, you know, and responded to that, you know, comment on Twitter, it wasn't the first time. And it wasn't like he, you know, praised KD and, you know, was basically saying, oh, you're the best, da 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 He straight up told him, like, hey, I think it's a weak move. I don't like the move, you know, so on and so forth. So for me, you know, I don't think KD, you know, had a right to respond to him in that way. It wasn't a snake in the grass. He straight up told you on his show, uh, that you know he thought the move was weak, so you ain't really got nothing to uh, you know to be upset about there, my friend. Uh, does uh, what what is what is your recollection of? Because we we wanted to get into this this topic, Aaron, because this isn't the first time KD uh, you know did uh, I'll call it I'll call it passive aggressive. Uh, this isn't the first time KD had some sort of passive aggressive Twitter tirade. Do you have any recollection of, of some other incidents in the past that you want to bring up? Yeah, I mean, his whole fake account um, that he had, 
and that he was running that, you know, basically he had his little, uh, you know, fake account he was going on and, uh, you know, responding to people uh, through his alias, uh, which he got exposed for. Uh, and again, I, you know, I still think it's kind of along those same lines of like, dude, like, you know, it's it's not as serious for whatever reason he allows social media to just like, you know, get underneath his skin. And it's just, you know, at the same time, it's kind of like, come on, dude, like, you know, allow it to, uh, you know, allow things to pass. So. Uh, what's, what's interesting to me about, uh, about this whole KD Twitter tirade, and we'll get into um, some comments regarding Des Bryant and perhaps some other other uh, pro athletes if we have time. But uh, guys like KD and you know a little foreshadowing uh, Des, uh, they, they don't they don't seem to give very many interviews. They aren't too heavy in in the media, a la Russell Westbrook and some others. So even though Russ is kind of uh, an enigmatic personality, uh, an interesting character, if you will. Uh, Russ, Russ is still accessible to the media, for better or for worse. Uh, but, but uh, KD and you know, to to a to a lesser extent, Des, um, they they don't seem to make themselves nearly as accessible. And KD is he's a superstar. I mean, he's easily top five, if not top three. Some might put him top two. You know, best players in the NBA today, and you just don't. You just don't hear much from him. You don't really know much about KD other than what uh, players, coaches, fans, uh, the NBA itself uh, thinks of him, says of him, uh, says about him. So, you know, unfortunately, all we, as fans, all we really have to go by are, are his, uh, his social media and these Twitter tirades and, you know, when, when KD seems to get, get all emotional. Um, so, at, you know, all, all we know is what we know, right? I mean, that's, as far as I know, this this is KD. Uh, I want I want your I want some of your thoughts about uh, you know KD's accessibility to the media, uh, perhaps KD's uh, per- perceptive relationship with the media, and the fact that if it wasn't for Twitter, we wouldn't hear hardly anything from KD himself. Well, so I will say, ever since KD, the last two years since he had joined the Warriors. He's been more so in the spotlight than he was in OKC. But I think that's the sole being of who the Warriors are, um, more so than it is about KD making himself more accessible. Um, so, in my opinion, like, the reason why you don't hear a lot about OKC is because it's exactly that. It's Oklahoma City. It's not a high-profile city. It's not a high-profile sports team. Not a lot of sports coverage out there outside of literally the, you know, OKC. At least here in the Bay, you have the Niners, you have the Raiders, you have the Sharks, you have the Giants. You know, it's a plethora of sports teams that year-round there's continuous coverage of things. And then also just with the Warriors basically being the Warriors, um, you know, obviously, you know, their team um, – kind of commands a lot right now um, of the media. So I think that's why you see more uh, sports coverage of KD now. I just think it's more so a market um, rather than it is a uh, KD not wanting to be in the limelight. Um, because I would say he's, you know, he's still a pretty, to me, you know, profile 
athlete. Um, you may not have seen him go on the sports shows, but then again, you don't see anyone kind of go on the sports shows. You know, you don't see him go first take or with Skip and all those guys, but you also don't see Clay, Draymond, uh, and all those other guys doing the same thing. So, um, you know, I would kind of say I, I'm just surprised that he allows so much, um, you know, pettiness uh, to kind of get underneath his skin. And, um, you know, but I'm also kind of like, you're Kevin Durant. How are you this bored that you actually have time to respond to people on social media? Uh, it's kind of my <laughs> my thought process behind it is like, how do you have the time to respond to these people um, rather than anything else? So, so why why do you think that is? I mean, I mean that that's a, that's an interesting uh, an interesting uh, question, if you will. What it, do you think? Katie's just bored. Do you, you think you think Katie's just out there and he's got nothing to do? Uh, do, do you think? You think this is even KD himself behind behind half these tweets? What, what, what do you think? I mean, I, I, I don't think it's completely <laughs> him. I think his thing is, I think he's just one of those individuals of he cares too much of how he's perceived. Um, and I just think that's it. I mean, you have those guys um, who you see, you know, truly care about their media presence and how they're perceived. Um, and then you have those individuals who don't really care how they're perceived because it's kind of like, um, you know, you guys can think of me whatever you want, but, you know, at the end of the day, you don't know me, um, and very few people do, and, you know, they don't really care how they perceive because it's kind of like, um, you know, a guy like Brady, um, you know, people kind of perceive him to be, you know, in the, in the same light of, you know, not you don't hear much from him. You know, he just does, you know, his weekly Boston radio show um, every now and then. He, you know might go on ESPN or something, um, you know, after the game, talk for about, you know, 10 minutes, do his little obligation, and then he's out. Um, you know, recently he's been doing more with his Tom versus tying thing and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I just think to me it's, uh, you know, to each their own of how they're perceived and he just truly cares. I put him in the same category of, you know, an Odell Beckham, uh, another guy we're going to talk about, a Des Bryant. Um Another guy, Terrell Owens, um, you know, just those people who, you know, kind of, I would, I call it light the limelight because they don't do anything to prevent the light from being on them. Um, and I just think it's a new realm from KD because he gets now so much attention being on the Warriors, being in a big major market sports area um, and so on and so forth. See, I, so if, if, this day and age, if if KD or another athlete is is concerned about how they're they're perceived or uh, is worried about their the worry about their their image uh, being conceived improperly, it's it's so it's so easy easy to change that nowadays. So it's it's just I, I think it's it's so strange that I agree with you. You know, I think KD does care about uh, his his media perception, uh, but he doesn't do anything to help. That um, you know, aside from his Twitter tirades, doesn't do anything to hurt that either. But it's just, it's, it just doesn't do much of anything at all. Um, we're gonna get into Le- LeBron James uh, talk a little bit later, uh, and and the school that he opened up. You know, we'll, we'll discuss that uh, later on in the show. But um, you know, comparing Katie and LeBron, it's like polar opposites. And if you're gonna discuss their, you know, their their, their skill and their talent uh, and their in- impact in the basketball court. Um, 
while many people would probably argue LeBron's the best player in the world right now, um, those same people probably would agree that KD isn't too far behind. Um, so there's this, this huge this huge gap between a player like KD and a player like LeBron. Um, but it's uh, – I don't know, man. It, it, it's, so, it's so strange to me. How, I, I mean, what – why, why does he use this as as his seemingly only avenue to to address uh, you know his his public image? Uh, and besides that, really doesn't do much else one way or the other. Um, but interesting point about the about the market back in OKC. Uh, you know, I do think that has a whole lot to do with it. You know, despite the the success of the Thunder with KD, Russ, and when they had Harden. Um, and you know the recent success of that franchise, they're just it hasn't seemed to impact the you know the, the market of Oklahoma City, uh, and that that whole that whole part of the country is really underserved. Uh, you know the world should know by now uh, how much I love the New Orleans Saints, and I, I you know I've always always felt a certain way about their their lack of coverage, uh, but that's another story for for another day. Uh, and then of course the Bay Area's got. Got so many sports teams, and you know it's it's quite the opposite compared to Oklahoma City and the and the uh, the Gulf Coast region of the of the country. Um, but man, I, I feel like we talked about KD way too much. Uh, Des Bryant, Des Bryant going going at the Cowboys. Uh, in case the world doesn't know, uh, what did he have to say about the organization and and Jerry Jones and that offense? So. <laughs> I mean, it's Dez. I do so. I agree with Dez, um, but I, I also learned today that you know the clip that he responded to, they edited to make it seem like they were talking bad about Dez and all this other thing. Um, but I, you know, I think Dez is Dez. He's you know he, he's one of those people of. Um, You get what you get with him, and you know what you're getting. Um, he's almost – I would kind of put him in the same boat as that T.O. mentality. Uh, obviously not of the same skill level as a Terrell Owens, but um, mentality-wise and how they are. Um, and I agree with him. I think, you know, the Cowboys offense is very plain, um, very simple, um, you know, and so I think – he had a point, you know, we all know kind of what they're going to do. Uh, you know, they got a great offensive line. They got Zeke. They're going to hand it off and give it to Zeke and then, you know, run him into the ground and then try and hit you, uh, you know, over the top and kind of get you to creep up. But um, it, it's hard when you have a quarterback like Dak. Um, I don't think he's a great quarterback. I think he's a good quarterback. I think he's an average quarterback, but um Again, he's limited in what he can do. So when it's kind of like, okay, I know you're just going to run the football and then you can only hit these throws, kind of, you know, simplifies the game plan, uh, makes it easier for the defenses to kind of defend uh, rather than when you were going up against the likes of a Peyton Manning or a Tom Brady or an Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees or even a Russell Wilson um, to where they have the intangibles to – make things happen uh, and force you to kind of enforce defenders to kind of make, um, I guess, I don't think teams are scared of Dak. You know, they don't. And so teams aren't scared of you, um, you know, 
it kind of already uh, gives them the one-up, and it's one of those things to me. It's just kind of like, you know, you go back to that Falcon Super Bowl, uh, you know, everyone, it's like those receivers on the sideline, they're like, man, we got this. It was like, nah, they got Tom Brady. And it's just kind of like just his presence. You know, you're up 28-3 to in the third quarter of the Super Bowl, and, like, you shut him down, and that dude's like, nah, but, I mean, like, that's that's Tom Brady. Like, if there's someone to do it, it's him. Um, and whereas, like, I think, you know, teams go into the game and it's like, okay, it's the Cowboys. Like, they got Zeke, and that's it. Uh, we stopped Zeke. We stopped them. Um, you know, Zach is, you know, if Zach beats us, then, you know, I take that, um, you know, every, you know, it's that old additive of the NBA, uh, live by the three, die by the three. And, you know, I think that's how teams are. It's like, cool. Um, we'll stop this and force him to beat us. And if he does, then, you know, great game by him, but I'm willing to take my chance on that rather than, uh, you know, just let Zeke run up and down the field on us and, you know, crush us. As a New Orleans Saints fan, I offer you or present to you the sincerest thank you for bringing up 28-3 on tonight's show. Thank you, sir. (laughs) That was one of the most proudest moments of my life. Uh, But anyway, um, yeah, so so, Des apparently had an issue, and I don't blame him for being the the scapegoat uh, scapegoat of – the Cowboys' prior season, or perhaps recent seasons, and all their offensive struggles, uh, and you know he, he's he's been. You know, Des has a history of mouthing off, if you will, but uh, in the Dak Prescott era, uh, no, he, he's 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 been he's been pretty good about that. You know, I can't recall him criticizing uh, the team, his quarterback, the coaching staff too much. You know, definitely not much more much more so than we typically expect from Des. Uh, but he felt like he was being made the, the scapegoat here, and he was, of course, released. Uh, but the Cowboys staff had a lot of uh, um, high-profile uh, players with big mouths, uh, players who, um, you know, ha- have gotten into into trouble in various ways. You know, Des, uh, Des has his own issues. Um, but but the Cowboys seem to really really protect their own. You know they're they're going to stand by their own. You know they you know they're gonna they're gonna go out and and be like yeah we're we're a family. You know blah blah blah. So it was really uh, interesting that they kind of you know played Des this way. Um, I think he has every right to feel the way that he does. Um, and I agree wholeheartedly with your points about you know the the Cowboys and and having Dak and you know, having a limited playbook. Um, and opposing teams are like, well, uh, we got Dak on the other side. We, we know we know what they're going to do. Um, so I'm sure Des became frustrated. Uh, I kind of believe what he said about how they, they were lining up in, in similar formations. You know, they didn't really have an expanded offensive playbook. They didn't really have uh, expanded wide receiver sets, um, so forth and so on. You know, I don't want to get all X's, X's and O's on you here, but um, no, probably was fairly limited. I mean, they have that dominant offensive line, you know, probably the, the best in, in football or one of the best in football, no doubt. Uh, you know, Zeke, when, when he wasn't getting into his own problems, so he, he was running all over people. Uh, but you know, it didn't really translate into too much success for the, for the Cowboys last year, obviously. I mean, you know, Zeke, of course, didn't play the whole season. Um, but you know, Des had every right to feel the way he did. And, uh, you know, the Cowboys cutting him was 
was probably a cap move. Uh, you know, at this point in Dez's career, I don't think they were like, all right, Dez, I, I think we've I think we've had enough of you know of your antics. Uh, I don't think that was the reason. Um, but being a free agent, uh, you know, no one's going to come into to the Cowboys facility looking for Dez Bryant because he's not there. So you know, Twitter or, or, and social media, for that matter, uh, was his only outlet to to express this type of uh, feeling that he felt. Um, do, do you find that kind of interesting in a negative way that the Cowboys seemingly always protect their own? I mean, even Ezekiel Elliott, they were like, nah, Zeke's our guy. It's okay. You know, when he comes back, we're here for him. Uh, but, but Dez was pretty much thrown under the proverbial bus here. Um, what do you make of that and how the Cowboys kind of treated him versus uh, some of their own troubled players in the past? I mean – the Cowboys' whole ordeal is just the Cowboys, like, you know, to me it's kind of like I just think they're all hypocritical. I think they all – I think Jerry only cares about the brand and his, you know, in the bottom line. Because um, to me it's just, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I just, like you said, I don't understand how they treat Dez that way, uh, but willing to – go out of the way for guys like Michael Irvin, guys like um, Romo, Ezekiel Elliott, um, you know, Greg Hardy. Um, And it's just kind of like, you know, I I don't get it. Um, And not to kind of bring up the whole protest, but to me it's just kind of like you allow players to do drugs, you allow players to beat their spouses, but this is kind of where you draw the line. Um, and I'm kind of like the same way with the whole Dez thing um, in a sense of like, okay, you're willing to work with all these other, um, you know, problem players, but you draw the line with Dez and just cut them and now try and go and bash them. Um, you know, I don't get it, but it's typical cowboy MO. It's typical Jerry. Um, it's typical, um, you know, that whole organization of, you know, you know, of of what they think, um, you know, they're basically perceiving themselves to be um, of these of this top-notch organization. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's kind of like he's done a great job of growing that brand um, and making it, you know, one of the most profitable teams, even though, you know, it's been 22 years since they've won a Super Bowl. Um, but, hey. They are probably the most talked about franchise that hasn't won a championship it's 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 ridiculous um but you brought up brought up to uh to recently uh called jerry jones a bully and you just mentioned mentioned jerry jones really only caring about that bottom line which i agree with um jerry jones bully or no bully what say you yeah i mean i completely agree i definitely think he is a bully um but, I mean, I, I understand why he does it, right? Like, if I were Jerry and I took that team from what they were and invested as much as it is and it's grown to what it, you know, it is, I understand why he is that way with the Cowboys. Do I think that's the way he is in true life, in real life? No. Um, but to me, it's kind of like he's like the owner of the company, right? Um He's just basically said, okay, I took this and turned it into this, um, and you're not going to screw this up because, you know, it's going to affect me. Um, 
I understand that mentality from a business perspective. Um, if that were me, I would still, to me, I, I'm a firm believer in giving people, um, you know, their free rights um, and kind of say, hey, these are your left and right limits, um, and you're free to act his way. But, uh, you know, Jerry is a lot more stricter and a lot more, you know, direct with how he wants this to go. And, you know, I don't necessarily agree with that in that sense. Are you trying to suggest that behind closed doors, Jerry Jones is just a good old family man? No, I'm trying to say behind closed <laughs> doors, you know, Jerry is just a, a normal average person. Um, but I also think at the end of the day, he's just protecting his, as you know, his prime asset um, and is not going to let, you know, anyone kind of come in the way and deter that from happening. So, uh, like I said, I don't – I hey, I get it, but um, at the same time, I'm just kind of like, you know, wouldn't be me if I had that, so. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Jerry Jones has has this reputation of uh, kind of strong-arming players, uh, you know, strong-arming the NFL, uh, if, if you want to go that far. Um, so none of this is surprising. Uh, but T.O., just like Des Bryant and K.D., uh, they've, they've recently been been uh, exhibiting their Twitter fingers, those Twitter tirades. Uh, enough about Twitter. I don't even use my Twitter account nowadays, by the way. It's a little too much for me. Uh, but coming up, we have the uh, NFL Hall of Fame game. And, Aaron, you and I want to get into a little discussion about whether we think that's uh, a gift or, or a curse, you know, is the uh, Hall of Fame game, is that something that's positive for the NFL and its fans and its players or something that is negative and dangerous uh, and unnecessary? Um, so, so real quick, what, what's, your, what's your initial thought on that? You there? Yes, sir. I think we experienced some uh, some good old technical difficulties. Are you are you with us, Aaron? I am. I think I just went on my complete rant, and I definitely had myself on mute. So. <laughs> All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, Aaron just gave a, a practice run his NFL Hall of Fame game rant. He looked in the mirror. He 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 gave he gave he gave everything he had. Uh, the dry run is over, and he is about to run his points. Proceed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So teams participating in the Hall of Fame game are 263 to 249 regular season record for 51% winning percentage. Half the teams had winning seasons, and only seven claimed their divisional crown. 37% of those teams made it on to, you know, appear in the playoffs, and only one has made it to the Super Bowl, which is the 2001 St. Louis Rams. So, in my opinion, 
the Hall of Fame game is a gift for the fans and a curse for the franchises playing in it. All right. Those are some very insightful numbers right there. Um, so it's it's been you know it's it's no secret that that the players uh, have been advocating for uh, less preseason games. Uh, I mean the NFL uh, wants as much exposure as it, as it can have. Uh, at the end of the day, the NFL is a business. The NFL is Jerry Jones times a million. I mean the NFL is expanding to Mexico. Uh, the NFL is bringing a franchise to Las Vegas. Um, you know, there's been talks of the NFL expand. Um, they, they already have games in London, but you know, there's been talks of the NFL expanding to Europe, uh, so forth and so on. Um, so I agree 100%. It's definitely a, a, a gift for for the fans and the NFL. Uh, but you know, I don't have uh, a list of examples here, but I'm sure that the 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 injuries have happened in the Hall of Fame game just as in other preseason games. Uh so I do think that is a that it is a curse for the players. Uh, I mean what's we're going to get to the point of it being what is the point? Is there a point? You know what what's what's the benefit of having an an extra game, you know, aside from players getting extra reps, but you can easily argue that Four preseason games and off-season programs and OTAs and mini camp and training camp, and nowadays player. I'm so sorry. Nowadays teams uh, practice with other teams. You know, for example, the Saints were playing the Chargers in this upcoming preseason game. They'd have joint practices at training camp. I mean, I mean, how much is is enough? How much is too much? Uh, no, a- adding an extra preseason game for me as a fan and for me as a student of the game uh and a and a fantasy football uh expert uh, i don't i don't see an extra preseason game a fifth preseason game being necessary or or really having the effect of um benefiting the players as far as extra reps go you know extra extra live live action goes um so that's you know that seems to be what the NFL is trying to sell here um, it's also, you know, a, a celebration game, if you will, you know, celebration of the Hall of Fame induction and the Hall of Fame celebratory weekend. Uh, so it's just one more event of that weekend. Um, but th- there are other things the the NFL can do. Hey, have a have a flag, have a have a uh, NFL Hall of Fame flag football game and and televise that. You know, who, who knows? But there's there's other ways to to celebrate the weekend. There's other ways to know show respect to to these great nfl players of of yesterday um but that that's uh, uh that that's something that probably won't change anytime soon if anything the nfl is probably going to keep adding stuff you know who know who knows what they're going to adding preseason games adding regular season games throw a team to london throw a team in mexico throw, throw a team in china who knows um uh, but you know, at what point is is a, is enough enough you know so I'm a fan of the of the Hall of Fame game for this. There's only one there's only two teams. So it's not like all thirty teams participate in this Hall of Fame game. So for me, I'm kind of like I don't see why so many people or so many players are kind of against it. I'm like, it only affects two teams. And 
half the time, none of these guys play. Um, like last year, I think, you know, Tom Brady only played in like two preseason games. Um, so it's not like it's affecting the star players. It's not like it's affecting anyone else because they're not the ones that are getting the reps. So for me, I enjoy it, and I think it's good because you kind of can get to see up-and-coming talent, and it's for those guys who um, you kind of hear about those feel-good stories. You know, they make the practice squad, and then, you know, they work their way up, and then they get, you know, special teams time and whatever. But you would never see that because this is the time for them to shine. This is the time for the rookies to get some action because, um, to me, I don't think the first time a, a college kid steps on the field and gets um, you know, real NFL action is going to be week one, game one, because um, I think it's just going to give us a crappy product. Um, give him some real live action, albeit it's preseason, so he's not going up against um, team one starters, but he's getting to see, um, you know, kind of like real world, real live action and kind of, you know, a better representation of what the NFL game is, because uh, you're not truly getting it in those joint practices. You're not truly getting it in OTAs because these guys aren't hitting each other. They're not. It's a completely different game when you're fully loaded up, you got your pads on, and you're actually hitting people. Because um, I mean, I think we've all played sports. You don't really go hard um, during practice um, because you don't want to hurt your teammates, and also you just don't want to hurt yourself. And so, it's kind of one of those things that you just kind of take it easy. Uh, you know, you're going at about sixty percent, seventy percent. And to me, that's not enough when, you know, every game, you know, basically in the NFL season matters. Um, And unlike in other sports to where, you know, the NBA can kind of get away with having four preseason games um, because they have an 82-game regular season. Kind of the same thing in baseball. You kind of got the grapefruit leagues and all these other things. Um, You know, when pitchers come out and throw an inning, inning and a half, and it's kind of the same thing in, you know, but again, in baseball, they can kind of get away with a shorter preseason because their regular season is 162 games. Um, when the NFL, your season is 16, you know, weeks, 17 weeks, um, you know, that's all you got. And so for me, uh, I just think it's one of those things of I enjoy the preseason. I like it. I think it's great for the players. Um, you know, very rarely do you see the first string guys out there anyway. You know, they may get – a quarter in, they may get, you know, one drive in or something like that, and then they're on the bench. Um, And it's more so about the young guys. It's more so about that young talent uh, and giving those guys a shot to make the team. So um, I enjoy it. I like it. You know, the Hall of Fame game is more of a, like you said, it's a celebratory game. They're paying respect to those guys. And it's only two teams. You know, they're the only two teams that play in it. Um, it's not like there's a fifth regular, you know, you know, preseason game or whatnot. So um, it is what it is, and just enjoy it. Now, uh, just to just to uh, play devil's advocate here. Uh, by the way, you've already mentioned Tom Brady twice, man. Calm down. Uh, but just, just to play devil's advocate here, um, if there's only two teams uh, in the Hall of Fame game, which there are, obviously. Uh, do you feel that uh, it is uh, an advantage? Well, actually, you answered my own question with your stats when we started this topic off. Um, it doesn't seem to be an advantage for these two teams playing in the Hall of Fame game. 
uh, the, the the statistics for making the playoffs, having a successful season, uh, being in the Super Bowl, you know, they aren't overwhelming by any means for these two teams that have this extra exhibition game. Uh, so it doesn't seem to be an advantage uh, at all. Um, so going beyond the numbers, the numbers show that it's not, but just, no, just from a from a superficial and surface standpoint, um, do you think that that it's an an advantage to these teams? You know, d- despite the numbers showing that you know, they aren't necessarily going to go off and and make the playoffs uh, a high percentage of the time. Um, no, because I think, like I said, kind of in my thing is is that because the true players who are going to be playing, um, you know, albeit you know, no major injuries, right? Like, I guarantee you, come this Thursday, we're not going to see Joe Flacco step on the field. Um, I can tell you that much. Um, You're not going to see these star players um, out there. Um, And so I don't think it matters because they're not truly grooming their starters, and um, that makes all the difference. And I also think, too, part of the stats is it's like NFL team picks some crappy teams to, uh, to play in these Hall of Fame games. So it's like... Um, you know, this year it's the Ravens and uh, the Bears who, you know, the Bears probably have a long shot of actually making the playoffs. And, you know, the Ravens, they might be able to sneak in and get and grab a wild card um, kind of deal. They were in the wild card hunt last year. Um, so, I, I mean, to me, no, because, you know, yeah, it might give them an extra game to look at that guy and figure out if they want to keep him on the practice squad or, or whatever, or maybe he gets, like, the fourth wide receiver position. Um, but I don't think these are true game day, uh, season break um, type of players that are, you know, playing. Because that's why I said um, that's why a lot of people don't pay attention to the preseason because I do believe last year the Browns went undefeated in the preseason. Uh, and then went on to not win a single game in the actual season. So, um, to me, it's just kind of like that. Like, the preseason doesn't really matter. You just get to see some talent uh, and see some guys who can really play. Um, And that's what it's used for, and I think that's what it's great. Um, You know, and again, in other leagues, teams are smaller, guys are smaller. Um, You know, the amount of players playing on the field are smaller. Um, And so – you know, therefore, more players have a better impact. Um, to where it's NFL, they can switch. You know, 53-man roster, they can switch that out every other week, like the Patriots do, um, and like other teams do, of just signing a guy for a week or two and then dropping them and picking someone else up. And you know, we all know how the league goes. So now, now we we made our we made our uh, our super early uh, playoff predictions in the NFL. Uh, I think you had. Uh, Baltimore making a wild card, if I if I remember correctly. I don't have either of these these teams in the Hall of Fame game making the playoffs. Um, but the only advantage I see is it gives these coaching staffs uh, one extra opportunity to evaluate their players, to evaluate their roster, um, evaluate those guys around that uh, um, that uh, so-called roster bubble. Um, uh, that's that's really the only advantage that I see. Uh, clearly, the, the the numbers do not lie as far as the the the, the success rate of of these teams who play in the Hall of Fame game as far as making the playoffs. Um, perhaps that says more about these these coaches and coaching staffs. Who knows? But uh, that, that's that's the one advantage that I see 
you know, how much of an how much of an impact that has on the long haul uh, from August all the way to to January. Uh, you know, probably very minimal, but for for what it's worth, that is the one advantage that I see. Uh, but that's coming up soon. Uh, NFL season is right around the corner. Uh, in future episodes of Run the Point, uh, we will get into a lot of uh, fantasy football talk, so you can look forward to that. Uh, but before we review what happened at the baseball trade deadline, uh, let's get let's get a quick quick little discussion about LeBron James opening up a school. Initial thoughts on that, Aaron. Um. As I've stated, um, I think it's an amazing thing. Um, me being, you know, I wouldn't call it a LeBron hater, but um, not a LeBron fan. Um, I think what he's did is is amazing. Um, I think it's probably it's unheard of in this day and age. Um, you know, the only other person who I can kind of think that's uh, doing things along the line of what he's doing is is Marshawn Lynch. Uh, obviously, Marshawn Lynch does not have LeBron James money, um, so he cannot uh, contribute to you know the city of Oakland um, in that manner of you know creating his own school and, and so on and so forth and, and providing um, you know those families with um, what it is. But you know, Marshawn um, has this summer um, he did like free camps, football camps, provided everything for the kids um, and stuff like that. Um, so that to me is kind of, you know, that, of what I enjoy from, you know, from sports stars um, is going out and doing these things. You know, I hate when, uh, you know, these guys put on basketball camps or football camps or whatever sports camps. And then, you know, they're not even there, but they charge you $2,000 and, you know, and then they show up on the last day for a photo op, um, but were never truly present um, throughout the entire thing. They just put their name on it, had other people run it, um, and that was about it. But, I mean, for LeBron, like, his school is free tuition, free uniforms, a free bike and helmet, free transportation within two miles of the school, free breakfast, lunch, and snacks, a food pantry for families, GED and job placement services for parents, and guaranteed tuition to the University of Akron for every student who graduates. Like for and and he's targeting kids who, you know, so this isn't set up for um, you know, prep school kids or kids who are affording it. He's targeting underprivileged youth um who've kind of fallen behind uh in school. And so for him to kind of do stuff like this, it's, it's simply amazing. And, you know, I give him all due respect. Um, you know, I, I may not be a fan of his on the court, but um, what he's done off the court for the city of Cleveland and the city of Akron um, is just remarkable. And I think, you know, it's kind of one of those things of um, I'm a big fan of making a positive impact in kids and giving kids all the opportunity and, um, you know, Hearing his story of not being able to attend the fourth grade because he didn't have a place to live, um, and you know his bike was his only means of transportation to get to school and kind of get out of his neighborhood and stuff like that. Um, you know, it's really you know it shows me a new side of him um, that I can kind of hey I respect that um, and what he's done. So you know, shout out to him. I know he's a big fan of the show. Um, 
So, props to you, LeBron. <laughs> LeBron, if you're out there listening to Run the Point, we salute you, LeBron James. Um, so, I, I uh, yeah, it, it is. Uh, this obviously is a very, very positive thing for for Akron, um, and uh, th- this goes way beyond just opening up a school. Uh, I mean, the, the the reach of this in the community, uh, you know, extends far beyond. Uh, you know, even what we can express as fans. Um, so it, that's great to see. Um, I want to make three three points regarding this. <clears throat> One, I, I find it <laughs> very ironic that this happens as soon as he leaves Cleveland. <laughs> I, I've been on record saying that, man, if LeBron leaves, he can never go back. Uh, but no, he, he, won, he won the championship. They gave Cleveland their title. Uh, I'm sure a lot of – Cleveland basketball fans are obviously highly upset that LeBron left, uh, but this, aside from the, the championship, and by no means am I comparing basketball to, to to what some of these some of these kids are are going through or have gone through. But uh, you know, aside from from bringing a title to Cleveland, this is just an, another thing that he's used to cement his legacy in in Akron and the uh, in the state of Ohio and the you know the the greater Cleveland area, if you will. Uh, <clears throat> second point is. LeBron James is we can go ahead and call him a a mogul. I mean, forget basketball and what he does on the court. You know, MVP, champion, uh, arguably one of the definitely the best player, if not one of the one of the top two uh, of today's era. But you know, people are throwing him into the all-time great discussion. Uh, we've all heard the Jordan comparisons, but I mean, it's bigger than basketball for him. Clearly, I mean. Uh, from, from the shoes to to his uh, endorsements with Sprite, uh, you know I can I can list on and on all the things that he's gotten involved with, uh, to his uh, his his community involvement to now opening up a school. I mean LeBron James is doing so much for for this world. Uh, it, it's it's really it's really really refreshing. Uh, there's so many negative stories about athletes and musicians and entertainers. Uh, LeBron is definitely one of one of the good ones. Uh the 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 proof is in the pudding. Uh he's definitely reached that, that mogul status. And the man's just uh I believe thirty three years old. I mean he's got plenty of gas left in the tank. Uh I don't have this stat pulled up, but I'm sure he was he was uh tops in the NBA last season in minutes per game, if not if not the even if he didn't play the most minutes per game. Do you happen to know that, Aaron? Do you do you, do you think LeBron James played the most minutes per game of any player in the NBA? Uh, I don't think he did. I think he led the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, oh, for I sure. Think, but I do think he was top five. He was top five um, overall in the NBA in minutes played, but he did not lead the NBA in minutes played. I'm sure it was it was pretty close, though. Uh, but but anyway, so yeah, he's uh, it's it's he's he's definitely reached reached that that mobile status. Uh, and it's, man, it's, if, if only, if only other players and, and, uh, and, and entertainers can, can even remotely follow these footsteps, it would, it would do so much good for the world. Uh, third, third point I want to make is, uh, off the heels of the, me referencing the, the LeBron and Jordan comparisons, uh, I'll even throw Kobe in there. Uh, let's bring up those three players. Um, just as LeBron is doing all these things for the community, and really using his platform to even speak on on, on social issues. Um, how do you feel 
And th- this is a topic that I, I haven't really heard discussed in, in sports media uh, in, in recent years or perhaps even, even in the past. Uh, what's your opinion on what LeBron is doing versus what Jordan perhaps didn't do and e- even Kobe to a lesser extent? I mean, if we're going to talk about three, the three biggest or most impactful players of these last three generations, I mean, you've got to go LeBron, Kobe, and then obviously before Kobe, Jordan. Um, so if we're going to sit here and praise LeBron, uh, what are we going to say about Jordan and to a lesser extent Kobe and, you know, the, their, their uh, community impact or lack thereof? What, what do you think about that? So I think these people grow grew up in different times. Um, so to me, Jordan didn't grow up in an era to where you, you know, that was things that um, people did. I mean, obviously you had some people, uh, a la Dikembe Mutombo, who built a hospital in the Congo and his um, um, – you know, his home town, I guess, if that's what we want to call whatever, you know, kind of villages or whatever they live in the Congo. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think Jordan made an impact on the community in other ways. I think people looked up to him and wanted to be like Mike and, you know, looked at that and was like, you know, I'm going to use this or try and be like him and kind of use basketball to be my ticket. Um, it gave people, you know, his story of not making the high school basketball team and getting cut, um, you know, his time at UNC and stuff like that. They use that as an inspiration for them not to give up. Um, so, yeah, he may not have went out and built a school um, and done, you know, something to this level. Um, but I think also from a standpoint of what he did, you know, with his or, you know, his Nike shoe deal, the Jordan brand, you know, before that, um, nothing, you know, no other player basically had a, you know, their own brand of that size of that label. So again, um, he may not have made a direct impact in, um, the community, but he paved another way for athletes, right. Um, kind of same uh, Bill Russell with, you know, NBA free agency and him basically creating NBA free agency, um, and free agency in, in sports, um, Again, he may not have an impact directly on the community as, you know, from where they're from, but, again, allow other players to get these endorsements, you know, you know, to go out, you know, Bill Russell, you know, go out in free agency, sign wherever they want to, you know, be have their own rights, you know, Jordan. And kind of the same thing with Kobe. Um, Kobe's done a lot of great work um, with venture capitalist firms um, in corporate America, um, and, again, giving players that um, outlook to kind of, again, expand their money, their business, uh, and other things like that. So um, I think they all grew up in different areas and different times. Um, I, by far, am more fan of giving back directly to a community, um, but I'm also, you know, I'm also me. I can't tell them how to, you know, spend their money or how to use it. So uh, I just hope more players – um, do other things along the lines that, like, a Dikembe Mutombo and Marshawn Lynch, a, um, you know, a LeBron have all done a directly impact those impoverished areas where you're from. Um, use your money, use your status to just fund it. 
Um, there's nothing wrong if, you know, LeBron, I'm sure LeBron just didn't pay for it all. Um, you know, I'm sure he got funded through other areas and stuff like that. But um, kind of be that leader um, and give back to those communities and invest in kids, um, invest in the future. And, you know, that that's why I kind of um, put LeBron up there because that to me is kind of where I hope to be able to do one day is, you know, invest in the kid, invest in the future. Um, rather than, you know, go out here and invest in a bunch of startups and become, you know, the next tech billionaire um, kind of a deal. <laughs> I don't have to say another word, my friend, because you hit the nail on the head. Uh, just a quick closing remark uh, for for as transcendent as Jordan was and eh, Kobe for that matter, uh, I just would have liked to see them both give back a little bit more to, to the community uh, and for community and youth development. Uh, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more proactivity in that regard, but we can't tell people how to spend their money. Uh, let's uh, let's finish up with a little bit of a baseball talk. We are going to welcome in a friend of the podcast, a friend of mine, Timothy Whaley. Are you there, sir? I am here. And can we do myself? Can we can we do me a favor and? I've never been an expert at anything. And it's like every time I come up with as well, can we just call me an expert of the sport? Can we do that? <laughs> you want to you want to be called you you, you want to be called our, our baseball expert? Would that make you happy? Just one time. That's it. Just the baseball expert. I'm good with that. Ladies and gentlemen from Virginia Beach, Virginia, run the points baseball expert Timothy Allen oh. Willie, one of two Braves fans on the other side of this thing. Welcome, Tim. Welcome. Oh, that sounds so good. Thank you so much for that introduction. I appreciate that. Hey, I think I think we have uh, Peter Gammon calling in. He wants his uh, title back. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, um, so, so we we want to we want to spend the next uh, you know ten fifteen minutes close out the show with uh, some action that has happened at the MLB trade deadline. Uh, I figured we'd do a little round robin. Uh, bring up a handful of players and just quickly discuss if we think uh, this move is going to be uh, impactful, unimpactful, positive, negative, good, bad, uh, a waste, uh, so forth and so on. Um, so <clears throat> without further ado, in, in no particular order, um, Chris Archer going to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Tim, I'll ask you first, uh, how good of a move is this? How impactful of a move is this, or was this a waste? Well, listen, I love I love Chris Archer. Um, I think he's he's fell off the past couple of years. I've been on a good team. He made me uh, a little motivated, so to speak. Um, but I like Chris Archer, and I think it's a decent deal for the Pirates. I was surprised when he went to the Pirates because they've been on a winning streak 11 games before tonight. And I don't know what their score is tonight. So they're back in the race. So they go get a starting pitcher. I get it, but I don't think they're going to make a push for playoffs. And then the glass now is good. Uh, Austin Meadows is good. Um, so they gave up some pretty like Chris Archer. They have control for rental. They have him for where he hits free agency. Um, so that's a plus, but, um, I don't. I don't know. I just uh, maybe they're building for the future and think he can stay a little longer. Yeah. 
Well, here's uh, here's my my initial take on this whole Chris Archer deal from the perspective of the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, first of all, you, you mentioned them making a push, Tim. They are currently six games behind the Chicago Cubs uh, for the National League Central lead. Um, so it's quite possible that they could make a push. Um, I don't believe in the Pirates this season myself, um, but they lost Garrett Cole to the Houston Astros. Uh, so they, they they kind of have an opening for, for the ace of the staff. Uh, you mentioned Chris Archer will be under team control. Uh, so I, I think that if they are thinking for the future, and I do think that is the case, um, I think Chris Archer's got a lot to prove, and I think the Pittsburgh Pirates have a lot to prove. Uh, so I think this is kind of a you know an underdog situation. I think it's win-win for both sides, uh, but I don't think this is really going to pay dividends this season, perhaps 2019. Uh, Aaron, uh, our our Atlanta Braves Wakanda uh, ex- expert, uh, any any thoughts on on the Pirates this year, and then adding a uh, a starting pitcher. Uh, so before I get there, I just like to point out the Nationals are beating the Mets nineteen to one right now, um, which is just <laughs> crazy. Has nothing to do with anything, but I, I, you know, I just thought it would throw it out there. Um, to me, I have no clue about Chris Archer. I know who he is. <laughs> Don't know his stats. Um, he's probably on a better team. The racing, uh, like they suck. So the Pirates are doing a lot better. So for me, uh, hey, great for Chris Archer, great for the Pirates. They're coming on strong. Uh, and it's actually now 21-1 to 1, uh, in the Nationals. So I, <laughs> oh, I would agree with you. It's kind of a win-win uh, for both players. Uh, he gets to go to a better team and actually have a better shot of making the playoffs. And, you know, they get a halfway decent guy, um, you know, who has some potential to, you know, win a couple of games for him. So win-win. The Rays are currently 21 games beside, uh, behind the Boston Red Sox. So the, the Rays' playoff chances are very, very slim. Um, moving on, uh, let's go ahead and get this one out of the way. Kevin Gaussman and Darren O'Day to the Atlanta Braves. Tim, how much better did the Braves get with this move? Well, this um... We, we got some uh, some bullpen help, which I think we need. Um, Kevin Gossman is a decent middle-of-the-rotation guy. But, Rob, you're missing two of the, probably the bigger guys that the Braves acquired um, in uh, Brock from um, Baltimore and then Adam Duvall from Cincinnati, which a lot of people don't realize. But he's RBI producer, and that's kind of what we're missing besides – and Nick Bartakis is having – a great season, but Adam Duvall comes in and is already the third on Atlanta's team in home runs and RBIs. So that's a big person that we can fill in there. We got bullpen help that we need, um, bullpen depth that we need if we're going to make a playoff run. For power and RBI producer. I think, uh, yeah, so great point about the other additions uh, uh, of the Braves. Uh, I think this uh, is a great way to kind of round out the the, the rotation, um, especially with uh, with Tehran and him uh, possibly not being the the uh, superstar that we all kind of thought he would be. 
Um, you're, you're adding another relatively young arm. Uh, Gaspin's had some injury concerns in the past, um, but I, I still think he's, he's a guy with a whole lot of potential, and I think in the right situation uh, he can really thrive, and Atlanta is definitely a good situation for him. Uh, but aside from the position players, th- that bullpen help in Atlanta was, was much needed. Uh, I mean, if if there were one thing I would say the Braves needed, or two things, it would be another RBI-producing bat, uh, uh, some some bottom-of-the-rotation help, and a little bit of bullpen depth, and they seem to have gotten all that. So uh, we talked a lot about the Braves in recent weeks, and they're yeah, they're on the come up. I'm I'm excited about about what they're going to do the rest of the season. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I, I and, the, and the key. The key. The key there is, if I can interrupt for a second, is that we didn't give up any huge prospects. We gave Matt Whistler, um, and he just hasn't been producing. He hasn't been who we thought he was going to be. But we ha- we didn't give up any of our better prospects, which is good, um, considering that's what you want to do with the trade deadline. Get pieces that fit your team uh, without giving up too much and sacrificing for the future. So I'm sure we'll talk about Manny Machado later and how the Dodgers gave up a bunch of their future. But um, – yeah, the Braves did that without giving up a bunch. Well, uh, uh, you know, Danny Machado, we're going to get to him in a second. Uh, I'm sure you have thoughts on that. But, uh, Aaron, your, your Braves got a little bit of help. I mean, is, is, the Wakanda, is it even necessary to make a trip to Wakanda anymore now that they got the reinforcements? Now, Can we throw Wakanda out the window here or what's going on? Hey, all I got to say is I got about a couple things. We, went, we, hey, we got Duval. Uh, and we got, <laughs> hey, you, know, you already know it's Wakanda forever, man. So uh, I, I like it. Um, you know, I think it uh, it helps us out in a lot of ways. And like Tim said, you know, we didn't give up a lot of the young pieces. So, um, you know, shout out to them. And, you know, hopefully, um, you know, it pays off and uh, we continue on this streak. And, um, you know, see you guys in the World Series, Rob. And we oh, my goodness. I, I would love that. We didn't give up any vibranium uh, in these trades. Oh, my gosh. No vibranium was exchanged. And no colonializers. Nope. Yep, and no colonializers joined the team either, so it's all good. <laughs> no vibranium exchanged hands in this deal. Uh, you know, <laughs> the, the Braves did, however, give up a little bit of uh, – uh, international pool money, which may or may not be relevant down the road. But I do want to just quickly make a point that uh, you hear a lot about the Red Sox and the Yankees and the Dodgers and, and their farm systems. The Atlanta Braves probably have one of the most underrated farm systems in all of baseball. Uh, that, that can't go without, without having been said. Uh, but let's get into uh, to Brian Dozier and Manny Machado going to the Dodgers. Uh, you know, they, they had lost Seager for the year. Uh, their their star shortstop who was one of my favorite young players. Um, so uh, quick quick thoughts on we all know Machado's a superstar, but when you add Dozier to to the uh, to the mix, um, did the Dodgers do enough to sh- to shore up that infield, and do they now have enough offense to uh, you know make a make another World Series push? Tim, was this enough for LA? Yeah, I think I think it's enough, right? As long as they're pitching. Um, does what they're supposed to do in the postseason. I think it's enough offensively. Um, Matt Kemp is having uh, a superb year in, in in that lineup. And then you add a guy like Manny Machado who does what he does, 
Um, and I'm going to shout out my son, okay, my son Carson. Hey, buddy, if you're listening. Um, if not, I'll let you listen later. But his favorite player is Manny Machado. He's not sure if he wants to be an Orioles fan anymore. He's so mad at Baltimore for letting this guy go. Um, but Brian Dozier is going to hit – he's probably going to have a great second half of the year. Um, and he's going to hit a ton of home runs. And I wouldn't be surprised if Brian Dozier is one of those players when they get to the – that takes off and, and becomes one of those guys that everybody everybody's like, who, who is this guy? The casual baseball fan doesn't know who Brian Dozier is, but come playoff time, he could get super hot, hit a bunch of home runs, and uh, him and Manny Machado have the ability to carry that team all the way to the World Series if their pitching does what it's supposed to do, which is uh, they didn't do anything to address that, but that's a bat. They gave up number 30 or 31 overall prospect in baseball. Um, Diaz, who's pretty good. But, again, you play for the now and you try to win the World Series, and he was the best guy out there to go get, and they went and got him. I, I think that they now have one of the, the best uh, one of the best uh, infields in baseball. They're going to throw their, their young first baseman in the mix with that, with that discussion. Um, Aaron, quick quick thoughts on the on the Dodgers re-upping their infield here going forward? Uh, I don't think they realize that only four people can play in the infield. Um, so that was kind of one. Uh, so I was kind of confused. Uh, two, uh, I've been told that I actually look like Matt Kemp uh, on multiple occasions. So shout out to Matt Kemp, uh, my twin. Um, hopefully one day one of his checks uh, accidentally hits my bank account, uh, and then we can even be better friends. Um, but, you know, I, I do think it was a move of, hey, it's all in. You know, they're going for broke, essentially. Um, and it's just, you know, they win the World Series. They don't really care. Um, you know, that to them is more important than kind of uh, building for a future when, you know, they were as close as they were last year. So, um, you know, I get it. So, hey, best of luck to them. Shout out to Matt Kemp. Uh, I I highly doubt that one of Matt Kemp's game checks is going to end up in your account. But, hey, we can dream. Uh, Let's get into a couple of pre-trade deadline moves, and then then we'll wrap up up the show. Uh, Roberto Osuna and Ken Giles swapping teams. did the Astros get – now, Osuna is coming off a uh, uh, suspension, um, but, Tim, do you think the Astros will get significantly better with Roberto Osuna once he's eligible to hit the mound? Uh, listen, um, first of all, morally, let me say this before I say anything else about the, the performance. Morally, it's probably it probably is a move that uh, shouldn't have been made. Um, I think if any team could have made that move, I guess it's the Astros because they are so uh, – they're fan favorites. They got young, energetic uh, kids on the team that love to play baseball. But morally, after what happened to Asuna, it's probably not a move that should have been made. Now, on the baseball field, uh, he was 9 for 10 uh, and saves earlier in the year before he got suspended. Uh, last year, he, he struggled a little bit towards the – Again, um, he was money at the beginning of the year. So if he can come back and get in the groove, I mean, I don't think he's going to close right away. But Ken Giles is just absolutely horrible for them in the postseason last year. And he's lucky he didn't lose that World Series for them single-handedly. So um, 
I could probably go out there and be an upgrade for Ken Giles at about 85 miles an hour uh, consistently. <laughs> so I think Osuna uh, is an upgrade on the field. Uh, but, again, I don't think the guy should be playing baseball, period, uh, if I had a decision. Uh, so, yeah, uh, more, the, the whole more component of, of this is a whole other d- discussion, uh, but, but I, I do agree with that. Uh, before I get into my, my thoughts on the baseball aspect of this, uh, Tim and, and Aaron, do you, do, you see an, do you see an issue with MLB allowing a player to be traded while he is under a suspension? So you know, let's not get into the whole moral aspect of this. Uh, I, 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 we're, we're all we're all good people. Uh, uh, you know, we, we all know where we stand. Uh, so you know, no, no need to to get deep there. But uh, <clears throat> baseball, MLB allowing for a player to be traded while under suspension. Do you guys have an issue with that? So I'll, I'll speak. I'll speak on that first. I don't think uh, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Now, if a player's uh, injured and you know, the team isn't sure of the injury and, and all of that. That's another thing. You know, the being suspended, I don't think you can't look at it. You know, he's suspended for PEDs or he's suspended for what Osuna was suspended for. Or he's suspended for, you know, throwing at a guy. It doesn't matter. Um, I, I personally don't have a problem with trading for a player. If you as a team, as a general manager, want to take a uh, – to take a chance on a player that's suspended and, and you have the ability to do that, then by all means, go ahead. I don't think you should penalize the team um, as well as the Blue Jays uh, for getting rid of somebody like that while he's suspended and adding assets that may be able to help their team in the future. So um, I think it's both. Yeah, I agree with Tim. Uh, to be honest with you, I have no clue what the dude did. So... <laughs> Um, I am not speaking morally. I'm speaking from a person who's like, I have no clue what the dude did. Um, but, you know, anyway, for me, it's kind of like, yeah, I mean, if you're that dumb to kind of take guys who can directly impact your team uh, and then trade him for someone who can't impact your team, um, I mean, if that's what you want to do, then go right ahead. I mean, me personally, um, you know, it would have to be someone of uh, – you know, the great caliber for me to do something like that. I'm just not going to trade for, a, you know, an average Joe, so to speak, who's suspended. And then, you know, I'm giving up guys who can actively play right now. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, I, I, do, I do agree. Uh, you know, um, regardless of what the suspension is for, if, if two teams want to make a deal, uh, I don't think that MLB should stand in the way of that. As far as injury goes, that's a different story. I will tell you that MLB The Show does not allow you to trade for a player that's injured. So if that's if MLB The Show doesn't let you do it, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've been playing MLB The Show and I'm trying to add I'm trying to add a player to my team and they're injured and I'm just simulating throughout the season waiting for this player to get healthy so I can make a trade for him. So frustrating. Yeah. Anyway, uh, did, did, did back to the save like a month earlier just to be able to reload it up where you left off and hope he's not. <laughs> Uh, I don't think I ever did something like that, but uh, but I, I I probably I probably would at some point. Uh, but uh, by the way, Aaron, he was suspended for domestic violence, and there's still a, apparently a criminal case uh, ongoing. Uh, but exactly. as far as as far as as far as baseball goes, um, just strictly speaking on baseball here, they make that clear. He's pro- he's one of my one of my favorite young young relievers to, to watch play. I mean, the dude throws gas. Uh, he was he played really well for Toronto early last season. 
Tim, you mentioned he was 9 out of 10 in saves this season. Um, Ken Giles was horrible in the playoffs last year. Uh, so I think Houston gets significantly better with this. And you add Verlander, you, you add Cole, now you add Osuna. I mean, Houston's already got a really good offense, uh, the, the, a lot of 5-2 players. This is, this is a scary team. This is a scary team going forward for the rest of Major League Baseball. But one player who I don't want to uh, go unnoticed here is that Houston also lost another young arm outside of Ken Giles, David Paulino, who I – who hasn't really shined quite yet, but I, I, I think that that young man's got a lot of potential going forward. Uh, now, I can't believe it took me this long to talk about my beloved New York Yankees, uh, but the, the additions of uh, Lance Lynn and J.A. Happ. Uh, J.A. Happ already started. He, are, he already won his first start uh, with the Yankees. Lance Lynn, I, uh, the Yankees are looking to make kind of a uh, a, a long reliever, uh, a bullpen arm, spot starter. Uh, they also lost Adam Warren, who had previously kind of filled that role for the Yankees. There was one of the one of the relievers that filled that role for the Yankees. Uh, Tim, initial thoughts on the Yankees adding uh, Lance Lynn and J.A. Happ uh, for the last two, three, four seasons. Uh, this has always been the missing link to the New York Yankees. Uh, back end rotation help and quality three, four, five starters. Uh, so initial thoughts on that, Tim. Yeah, I think you guys. Uh, I think the Yankees got better, right? And they did it. Um, they did it just like they didn't give up any of their top prospects, uh, which is good. J. Happ is a good middle of the rotation guy. I don't think he's a top of the rotation talent like you know was with Stroman in uh, um, in Toronto. And Lance Lynn, same thing. I mean, that's what you guys need in the playoffs, a number four or five star um, that can give you three or four innings of solid uh, baseball if you need. Um, I, I don't know. Tyler Austin, Adam Moore, they, they were okay. Um, I know Dylan Tate you guys gave up was a top five pick. Um, so who knows what he turns into, and you could regret that. But, again, um, overall, I think because Boston. Uh, but they're going to win the wild card game. Um, and then they need this depth for the playoff run. So uh, they're going to win in the playoffs. Uh, they need this depth. And they need Aaron Judge to get healthy. And can I say something really quickly? In the trade that they did make, in the trade that they did make, I just want to point out. Hey, hey, Tim, hey, Tim, Tim, my man, you were breaking up a bit there. Can you repeat yourself? Yes. Can you hear me? Uh, yes, yes. Okay. I said I just wanted to point out there's now a judge and a jury. <laughs> Actually, the Yankees lost Brandon and jury. I know. There's, that's what that's what I said. There's no longer a judge and a jury. Oh no, no longer. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes, yes. Apologize. Oh, my, oh my goodness. Well, unfortunately, Brandon Jury. Uh, had a really hot start to the season. I mean, super early, like the first week of the season, and he was starting to become one of my one of my my new favorite players. And then he started to have, uh, I believe, it was headaches and just some really strange medical issues. And he never really made it back to to the big leagues. Uh, so for all the potential he was showing, uh, he just he he a couldn't remain healthy, and b just couldn't crack the major league roster when the time came because the Yankees are are so talented, especially uh, especially in the infield. Um, Losing Tyler Austin's not that big of a deal that they they replaced him uh, with with one of their deals uh, prior to the trade deadline. They got another 
uh, minor league first baseman. Uh, but yeah, j- just just to just to reiterate your points, Tim, this is exactly what the Yanks needed: a little bit of middle rotation help, back end rotation help, a long reliever, just just some extra arms that could that could throw innings. And also, Lance Lynn and J.A. Happ have a very successful track record against the Boston Red Sox. That cannot go understated in these moves. And my last point is that the Yankees uh, and all these deals that they've made have now uh, accumulated the maximum amount of international bonus pool money. So while the Yankees haven't exactly given up uh, too many top prospects, they've given up one, as you mentioned. Uh, they have also re-upped their international bonus pool money and with, without having high draft picks going forward because they're, they're having a successful season. Um, and if they want to sign qualified free agents in the future uh, and, and lose uh, some, some picks in the draft, they now have added ammo to go after some international players and re-up their farm system that way. So I don't want that to go unnoticed by the baseball world. Um, Aaron, the, the Yankees are better. Just, just disagree with me so we can move on. Uh oh oh oh. So the Yankees are colonializers, and I hate them. And I hope Aaron Judge breaks his leg, and John Carlos Stanton falls down the stairs and breaks an ankle. Oh my goodness, those are some harsh words. Uh, guys, we got a uh, we got a few minutes left. So real quick, I want to bring up one more player who the Yankees were rumored to get early on. Um, that is good old Cole Hamels going to the Cubs. I think the Cubs are going to win the, the NL Central. Uh, once again, we have like three minutes left, fellas. Uh, Cole Hamels, Tim, is, is this is this a good move for the Cubs? Is this a, is enough to keep the Cubs afloat? Do you think this is, this is a, a neutral addition or something that is very, very beneficial for the home stretch? Well, I'll be honest with you. It's a move that they had to make, right? And and they didn't know they had to make it at the time. However, Milwaukee won him through at the trade deadline, picking up two big bats and a relief. And might fire. So to keep it short and simple, it's a move they had to make because I think the Brewers are for real. They're in this thing, and I think – they have the ability to catch the Cubs if their pitching continues to be as strong as it is. So they made some moves that are definitely, definitely keeping the Cubs on their toes. If there's, if there's one, so I, I've been on record saying that I think the Cubs have one of the best young lineups, especially in terms of power in all of baseball. Uh, but if there, if there was one way that I felt the Cubs could improve, it would be, doing exactly what they did, just adding a veteran lefty to the back end of that rotation, especially come playoff time. Uh, you know, Cole Hamels is, is not what he was in his prime, of course, but uh, he's got playoff experience, and he will give the Cubs just what they need. I think both player and team have, have uh, you know, moderate and fair expectations, and as long as those ex- expectations remain just that, this is a positive move. Aaron, quick thoughts on Mr. Cole Hamels, one of your favorite players. Go Cubs, go! <laughs> go Cubs, go! Hey, Every Chicago, what are you going to say? Cubs are going to win today. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, so I, 
I didn't think we were going to end this week's show with a with a Cubs song, but Aaron couldn't contain himself. Uh, Tim, our resident baseball expert, thanks for coming on and talking through some of these uh, trade deadline additions. Oh, uh, hold on. Before we go, yeah. I got I got one more legit baseball thing. I just want to say shout okay. out to my dude, Chipper Jones, on making the, uh, you know, making the Hall of Fame. Chipper Jones, Chipper Jones deserves a spot. He has deserved a spot since he hung up the cleats. There's no doubt about it. I know, I know Chipper is Tim's all-time favorite player. He was, he all was time. fun to watch. All-time favorite player, Larry Chipper Jones. Congratulations. Larry, Larry Wayne Jones Jr. is my favorite athlete of all time. Congratulations <laughs> to that guy. Congratulations to the best switch hitter. Of all time, in my opinion, I said it now. Larry Wayne Jones Jr. And with that said, that wraps up Run the Point. Thanks for listening. Peace. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.